Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Commitment Matters. Well, everybody, it's time for an update to Alta's best practices. And best practices version 4.0 is ready to roll out for you. As you know, best practices were crafted in such a way that allows them to evolve as realities on the ground shift. New digital payment options, increasing fraud threats, as well as new regulations and laws and changes to business and market needs signaled that it was once again time to refresh. You know we believe in continuous improvement for you and your operations here at Commitment Matters. So we wanted to help you understand what's changed and why. Now, most of you probably won't have much to do in order to evolve up to the new best practices version. There might also be a few of you out there who have some more ground to cover. So there's no time like the present to get that project underway. We wanted to bring you an expert on the subject to help you walk through the changes. And our first thought was to call Rose Mosier, who's the Chief Compliance Officer and Director of Application Support for ATA National Title Group. ATA is a Michigan-based company, and Rose also serves on Alta's Best Practices Executive Committee, so you know she knows her stuff. So let us walk you through understanding the changes, especially to Pillars 2, 3, and 4. Rose will let you know which objectives and content has been updated, which resources to assist you have changed, and where to find them. She'll explain how and when to certify, what your process and timing of implementing the changes should be, and how you can best prepare. Now, before we dive into the conversation, we all need to give a shout out to Alta past president, Frank Pellegrini, who had the foresight to create best practices during his term as president way back in 2013. So happy 10 years old, best practices. And thank you, Frank, for encouraging our industry to show everyone the care and diligence we provide to consumers and partners. Helping others have confidence in how we handle other people's money and other people's information is critical. So thanks for making us eat our vegetables and establishing these industry practices, Frank. And thanks for convincing us that it's important to be transparent on these types of issues. You made our industry healthier and we're grateful to you. Now Rose gives a lot of her time and talents to help our industry be healthier too. So please enjoy my conversation with the compliance-minded purveyor of quality, and someone who I believe would be a very thoughtful mentor if you're in need of one, the wise and generous Rose Mosier. Rose Mosier, welcome to Commitment Matters. Thank you. It's my honor to be here. Well, we've called on your service today because in addition to being a very busy person in the industry, you also serve on the Alta Best Practices Executive Committee, and we've had some updates to the best practices come out. So we really wanted to walk through those today with our audience so that you could explain not only what is changing, but some of the why it changed. So we're on version 4.0 of best practices. Why did we decide it was time to come back and update those again? What was going on? What are we looking at? Well, you know, there's a lot of new threats in the industry right now. In particular, fraud is highly prevalent across our industry. 
Our business has changed significantly since the last best practices release. We're seeing a lot more remote workers in the industry, remote online notarization. There's a lot more technology in the world of financial technology and some laws have changed. I mean, we're talking about safeguarding NPI. And so it it seemed like the right time for us to make a fairly significant change to what is recommended in the best practices. Well, that's good. It sounds timely and important. So previously, you and I are old enough to remember when Best Practices 1.0 came about. Thank you, President Frank Pellegrini. (laughs) Uh, And that was largely in response to write the Friday the 13th memo, the service provider memo. And so the 1.0 version was really structured primarily to give lenders the assurances that our agents were doing these things, but it was really crafted more from a lender perspective. It sounds like, and it looks like it, at a glance, these are, were crafted to bring in sort of some other focuses as well. What do you see there? Well, best practices will always be there to provide lenders with an assurance that their title agent is operating in a manner that is safe and secure and to fulfill their needs. But This iteration of best practices really shifts the focus on the customer experience, training team members to be able to fulfill the needs of their customers, to know how to identify what those needs are, and to ensure that they are fulfilling those needs with the least amount of risk and also operating safely and efficiently. So it's a very operation-centric, these changes, it sounds like. It is. To get a healthier, more robust picture and assurances around some of those operational practices. That's exactly right. Okay, good. All right, well, let's dive into what has changed. And I guess my first question is, did the pillar structure stay and are the pillars showing the same categories as they did previously or have those been changed around? The pillars themselves have not changed. There's still seven pillars. Pillar one, licensure. Two, three, and four are where the bulk of the changes occur in best practices 4.0. Pillar two being escrow accounting, three being information security, and four being settlement. Pillars five and seven did not really change either. I would say the bulk of the changes are in two, three, and four. The only significant change to Pillar 6 is to ensure that on an annual basis, at the very least, we are reviewing our insurance coverages to confirm that they are still adequate. Mm -hmm. And we've had some episodes of the podcast that focus on that and why it's important to do and the questions asked because the times they are changing And your coverage might not be adequate or might not even be focusing on some of these new issues. So that's great. There are some new definitions added, consumer title agency and title insurer. And there have also been some modifications to some existing definitions to bring them more in line with the revised best practices. So So it'll be important for everybody to make sure they're harmonized to those. I would just take some time to make sure you're on the same page. The new page. The new page, the fresh page. That's right. All right. So pillars two, three, and four are where the major changes have occurred. So let's get into it. Let's do that. So pillar two, you know, you're talking about your escrow accounting function. I would say the primary changes there, high level, we're looking at the handling of non-settled funds. We have a lot of financial technology entering the market 
And we want to ensure that we have good funds and we're not, quote unquote, wiring off the float. We also want to encourage people to train their team members on how to handle those fintech platforms, how to handle digital earnest money deposit, what to look for. We want to make sure that there are controls in place to ensure that the platform itself meets good funds law requirements. We're also looking at wire verification. You know, there's a lot of fraud right now. And so we want to make sure that outbound wires are being reviewed. We recommend multi-factor verification for that. And Alta has a lot of great tools on their website to assist with that. There's also a change to background checks. Historically, the recommendation was background and credit checks for team members who handled escrow funds. You'll see a shift in 4.0 where now we're recommending that we get a background check at the time of hire for all employees. And then again, every three years going back five years. But the credit report piece has been removed. Oh, okay. Interesting. One of the things that people may not even realize is that the purpose itself in the 4.0 framework for Pillar 2 has been modified to include some language about E&O. We want to make sure that the title agent is reviewing their E&O coverage to confirm that it's adequate and also recognize that losses that fall outside of that coverage amount would be the responsibility of the agent. Are those the high points from Pillar 2? I think those are the high points from Pillar 2. Okay, good. That gives us a good overview of Pillar 2. How about what's changed in Pillar 3? Pillar 3, you'll notice the best practice itself, the language has changed. We are now referring to a written information security plan with the acronym WISP that is recommended that every title agent establish and implement. That WISP should include multi-factor authentication to access systems. It should include password management, making sure that we have strong passwords, that they're changed regularly, that your system will automatically lock up after a certain period of time, that you are updating your software regularly to ensure that you have the most current security and patches as needed. And then you'll also notice that we've added cloud security in addition to the network security. And we're also heavily focused on physical security of NPI. And then we're suggesting that we get background checks to anybody that has access to NPI, not just employees, but third parties as well. We want to ensure that your disaster recovery business continuity plan includes what to do in the event of an outage to ensure your business can continue to work. We obviously want to recover lost data, but we also wanna make sure that we can continue to perform closings. And if for whatever reason we can't, establish a procedure to notify our customers. And that's where we're pulling in that customer service piece. And then third-party providers and third-party systems, are we reviewing their security policies? Do they coincide with our own? And that's really what you want to look for is that your third-party service providers maintain a similar stance on security. And some of those contracts can be very difficult to sift through, but I would encourage folks, if you don't understand what you're looking at, get some advice from counsel who 
works in the contract space, ideally with tech vendors, because they do understand what they're looking at and they might be able to help you spot some things that you might not pick up on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Even your title insurer may be able to assist you. They may very well be. That's a good idea. You know, I've been having conversations with agents over the last couple of years where I might ask them a question about what's in their contract and they well, I don't know, because between the time you get all the legalese strung together and the tech terms strung together, you know, your average title professional has a hard time sometimes making heads or tails. Is already at the bar. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then how about pillar four? What are we changing there? So pillar four, again, we have a heavy focus on training. The recommendation is that we are training our team members on the preparation and proper execution of closing documents. If you don't already have a manual for that, it's recommended that you put something together and that your team members are properly trained on how to create and present those documents. Also, affiliated business arrangements. You know, we see a lot of those, particularly in the Midwest, and, you know, we have an obligation to disclose that. And so we've added that into the best practices as well. And we also want to incorporate consumer objectives in the training of team members. So how to identify what the consumer is asking for, where to look, how to provide that and to fulfill that need. And then we talk about third parties. You know, we have a lot of notary closing companies in the marketplace and and other third-party vendors. We want to make sure that they all maintain, and the notaries in particular, maintain the appropriate licensure, insurance, that we're getting background checks done regularly. If we are using a remote notary platform, we want to ensure that the minimum requirements are met and that it's been authorized not only by the state, but by the title insurer or underwriter. If you're using a third-party vendor for e-recording, we want to make sure that not only the system, but the procedure complies with local laws and that it is maintained by an agreement with that third-party provider. I think those are the highlights of, in my opinion anyways, Pillar 4. All right. You mentioned briefly earlier that some of the resources, some of the tools that agents can use have been updated as well. So let's talk them through what's available out there for them and how to utilize them. Alta has several tools on their website that I find incredibly helpful. First and foremost, obviously, the framework itself has been updated. Additionally, the assessment procedures have also been updated. The assessment itself is probably my favorite tool simply because it's the easiest format for a title agent to follow to gauge where they are relative to best practices, whether they are fully compliant, whether they have a minor tweak that they need to make, whether they have to write an entire policy, but that assessment has also been updated. And then the certifications have also been updated. So there are two certification manuals, one for an internal certification or self-certification and another for a third party. Those are also there. And then as far as additional supporting documents, Alta has guides on their website to assist with policy writing. They have a policy template. They have cybersecurity incident response planning. 
documents and wire fraud incident planning documents. And so I would strongly encourage anybody that is either starting out from scratch, implementing best practices, or just trying to catch up with this latest update to start with the Alta website, start with those tools. And in my opinion, if you are interested in getting certified, I would start with a self-assessment and take it from there. Well, and I love that you guys took the time to create some new tools, update the other tools so that anybody hearing this, getting intimidated by, oh my gosh, how much work I have to do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's such a good foundation out there. So take it as a template, as a guide and use it and save yourself the work. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, the representatives at Alta are incredibly helpful in answering questions as well. On their website, you will see an email address that you can shoot questions to. Any one of us on the committee would be happy to respond to those questions. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you. You might be getting some calls. (laughs) I'm happy to. Happy to help. (laughs) All right. So you mentioned briefly certification. So let's kind of talk through that. I think you said there are a couple of routes for it. So what do those look like? Yeah. So there are two ways to certify that you are best practice compliant. Either one is perfectly fine. You can either do it internally or you can hire out a third party. There are several third parties that provide that certification. Actually, Alta has in their marketplace some companies that you can reach out to. But regardless of where you go, there are a packet for each, an assessment packet and a certification packet. The assessment itself is the same regardless of whether it's being done by a third party or internally, but the certification packet varies whether it's done by a third party or in-house. If I were going to certify, my recommendation would be first to determine whether or not you wanted to do it in-house or you wanted to hire it out. Secondly, I would recommend, regardless of who is going to certify, that you perform a self-assessment using the assessment procedures provided. To me, that is the best gauge on where you are as a company. And even if you have a third party doing the certification, it's very important that you understand where your agency sits, right? You have to identify where your deficiencies are, where opportunities exist, perhaps identify some core team members that may be critical in gaining that certification and expertise. From there, I would start documenting policies and procedures, where you are today versus where you need to be, And then at that point, once you have that issued, you know, it's time to certify. Now, keep in mind, if you are not 100% compliant with best practices, it does not mean that you cannot provide your customer with a certification. The certifications actually, they provide for almost like a scale, right? And so you you will be able to tell your customer whether you are 100% compliant, whether it's simply a matter of writing a policy, et cetera. So there are a variety of options. So That's where I would suggest that you sort of start is with that self-assessment, though. I think that's really good advice because to your point, that's the foundation knowledge you need to understand where you are. It's how you're going to understand what your gap is, what you're trying to remediate. And whether you do it yourself or engage with a third party, you at least need a good idea of what the scope of the project should be needs to be. And so you can chart it all the way through. And I love too, that you guys made it to where you can, it's not a yes or no question. It's a dial that you can use to 
chart your progress through. And I love that you gave the self-certification option, because I think when a lot of people hear this, especially at a time of uncertainty where there's a lot of belt tightening going on from an expense standpoint, the being able to do it yourself, obviously it's going to take a little bit longer, but you don't need to have the cash outlay. If you'd rather do the hey, just come do this for me and I'll write a check. You've got both of those options. I think that's so important for different size agents who are experiencing very wildly different marketplaces right now. I agree completely. And not only the different sizes, but there are some agents have been on best practices since version 1.0 and may not need that third-party assistance. Whereas there might be other agents that are either new to the marketplace or just now getting their feet wet with best practices and may prefer to have a third party come in and help them. And one more piece I just wanted to mention about the certification. Certifications, Alta Best Practice certifications are good for two years. So for example, if I certified in June of 2022, it is not required that I certify again now with version 4.0. However, there are some significant changes with version 4.0. These changes are in place to protect the organization and also to improve service levels. So I would strongly encourage anybody that is still within that 24 month period If you have the opportunity, I would encourage you to move forward with certification using 4.0. That's a really good point. And just so everybody's clear, what date does 4.0 become effective? And what does that mean if you think you don't have enough time to get there before the effective date? It's effective May 23rd. Well, it was released January 23rd, effective May 23rd. So hopefully people have begun to look at it. But I would not fret. We need to remember that best practices are not an absolute requirement. It is merely a recommendation. You'll want to discuss with your customers, particularly lenders, if you have lenders that are already asking for it, for your certification with 4.0, I would ask them if they would be willing to accept a self-certification that displays the areas where you intend to work on. And, you know, some lenders may be willing to accept that knowing that you are making forward progress. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Are we starting to see lenders ask yet or how's that generally going? I have not personally heard of lenders asking, but they are aware of 4.0 being released. So I would not be surprised if we've already had some requests. Oh, good, 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 good. And here's another thing that I don't know the answer to. For someone that is certified, either self or through third party for 4.0, have you heard any stories of anybody going to, say, their E&O carrier or their cybersecurity carrier and getting any renegotiated rates based on the certification? You know what? I have not heard that, but that's actually a fantastic thought. It'd be good to ask, right? Absolutely. If that carrier is insuring someone who is not doing these things, or at least has not certified that they're doing these things, versus someone who is, I would think the liability picture might be a little bit different and there might be some more favorable rates negotiated. Don't quote me on it, but I think it's worth asking. I do too. I I could not agree more with you on that. Especially right now when we're trying to find every nickel, right? 
That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing on that. You know, if you are an, a title agent, perhaps a smaller agent, or again, somebody who's just recently entered the market and still sort of building your admin arsenal, I would recommend taking a look at Alta's policy preparation guide. They have a policy template that is fantastic, a fantastic starting point for developing new policies. You're definitely going to want to create some policy and procedure manuals specifically for pillars two, three, and four to guide your team members through the security and procedures related to keeping NPIs secure, whether it's virtual or physical. Consider perhaps a clean desk policy. There are some updates that should be made to the privacy policy, certainly record retention where NPI is concerned. You're going to want to update your disaster recovery business continuity plan to include what happens when business is down. How do you contact your customers? And then with regard to pillar two, if you do not have a disbursement or wire transfer policy, you might want to consider that. If you don't have a wire fraud response plan, that's a very important one. And with regard to settlement, you know, if you don't have a vendor management policy, that's another one to consider. You know, we're getting into the time where we are employing more and more third parties to perform critical business functions. You really should have somebody who manages those third parties, and it starts with a policy. Yeah, it sure does. Well, all of this is so important, especially when you layer it up against the reality out there that we talk about on this podcast almost every episode, it seems, of the additional scrutiny, the additional pressures, the additional, we have some agencies and bureaucracies that are kind of trying to jockey for additional oversight of us and, and all that's going on. And we have people fighting those fights and, and that's all true. However, I'll just remind everybody that once Dodd-Frank happened, like it or not, we're now part of the financial services sector. And so to just be quietly in the background you know, hauling the mail, doing the right things just isn't enough anymore. We have to be more transparent. We have to show our work and we have to assure not only our partners, but potentially those who want to regulate us even more <laughs> that we do get it and we take it very seriously. And and not just talking that talk, but being able to demonstrate it proactively, I think is so critical in ironically helping us defend against an additional army of folks who think we might need a little more scrutiny because they can't tell exactly what it is we're doing. That was a long way of saying that, but that's out there, isn't it? It is 100% out there. Yes, it is. So it's not only good for your agency and your operation, but it's good for the industry as a whole as well. And that really matters. I agree. Yes. Well, Rose, thank you so much for this overview. I'm encouraging people to, as you did, to go use the resources, get a team together so it's not one person trying to, you know, climb up a hill by themselves. And also, I want to say truly a heartfelt thank you for dedicating your time to updating this, to refreshing it, because you're you're making our industry stronger. You're helping pave the way for a lot of us that are consistently trying to do things better. And so we're really grateful to you for that. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Rose. 
for helping demystify our homework. I hope everyone listening at least knows, or after today goes and asks, what their company's plan for adoption of Best Practices 4.0 is. It might feel a little bit like eating our vegetables when doing this work, but you know the thing about eating vegetables? It helps keep the body healthy. And we for sure want our industry to stay healthy and productive. So embrace the veg. You'll be better for it. And until next time, I know it's still weird out there, folks. So do whatever you can to make you feel a little more in control of something, anything. Invest any extra time into those professional projects you've been putting off, swearing you didn't have the time. Now is probably a great time to make that investment so you'll be in fighting shape when things swing back up again. I mean, the time's gonna pass anyway, so you might as well have some accomplishments to show for it. And know that together, we will all get through it. Because we all committed ourselves to this a while back. And the reason we committed was because what you do really matters.